So we've been doing this little series that we've been calling Truth and Lies because um, we live in a world where we're just bombarded by opinions all the time. And um, one of the problems is that sometimes it's just like wrong opinions. People can have different opinions. It doesn't really matter too much. But quite often, the opinions that we're being bombarded with can shape us. So at a very simple level, it could be used to sell something to you, and so you end up buying stuff you don't really need, uh, and somebody makes a little bit of money. That's kind of fairly harmless. Could well be, though, that some of the, the, the truths that are presented to you are actually lies, and they might end up in you believing wrong things about yourself or about God. And a lot of people struggle because they've been bombarded with things that aren't true, They've been bombarded with lies, and as a result, they don't really know who they are, or they don't feel good about themselves as God would want them to do. And sometimes we're also bombarded with lies about how we should think about or view other people. And the result of that is that we don't treat them as God would want, and that's probably the worst kind of lie. And we've been thinking about how this started in God's perfect creation in the garden, how there is an enemy who doesn't want us to, to do what's right or to embrace what's right, And he is continuing that process of seducing us away from the truth and leading us into lies. And we've looked at how some of this is at work in our culture, like I was just saying, it's all around us. But there's even worse news today, because some of it is at work in the church as well. So the church is not immune from having lies mixed in with the truth. I don't always know whether what I'm saying is true or not. You know, a lot of what I say probably isn't true, it's just I don't know which bits. You know, most of the time, hopefully what I, what I say is going to be true because it's based on what the Bible says. And if we disagree, then we can go back and we can look at that and we can make that our authority because these are the people who knew Jesus and who recorded what he said. And so we come to it and we say, that's, Lord, that's your authority. We're going, to just, we're going to accept that because it's never seen us wrong. You know, through, through reading your word, we've encountered Jesus. Through reading your word, we've, we've found the way to go. We've found promises that are reliable. We've found truths we can depend upon. You've never let us down in the past. You're not going to let us down in the future. But Jesus himself said that we need to be on our guard. And in Matthew 7, little verse from the Sermon on the Mount. Lots of people love the Sermon on the Mount, but it's got warnings as well. So it says, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. In other words, that you're going to come across people in all walks of life, and even in the church sometimes, who, who are not going to be able to tell you the truth. That They're actually going to look like they're one thing, but inside they're something else. And we've been thinking a little bit about the Apostle Paul and one of the churches that he worked with in a place called Corinth. And Corinth was a really interesting place. It was like a crossroads in the ancient world where um, loads of people would come to make their fortune. A lot of them would just fall out of society, fall down the cracks and end up in real trouble. It was a place where the East met the the West. So it was full of different religions, different opinions, different philosophies, loads of cults, loads of all kind of different truths fighting for people's attention. And in that place, the Apostle Paul planted a church. It's a church that knew loads about the power of God. But in the middle of it, when he went away to start planting other churches, some other people came in who were a little bit different. And they started gradually kind of seducing people away. So this is what he says when he writes a letter to the faithful people in that church. He says, I'm afraid 
Just as Eve was deceived by the serpent in the garden, your minds might also somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Jesus. If someone comes to you and they preach a Jesus different from the Jesus we preached, or they help you to receive a spirit different from the spirit that you receive from us, or they get you to embrace a gospel different from the gospel you embrace from us, the problem is you put up with it really easily. And then he goes on and he compares himself to these false teachers. And he says, the problem with them is, firstly, that they want their egos to be stroked. They want to be known as super apostles. It wasn't just enough for them to be known as apostles of Jesus. They wanted to be known as super apostles. Like, they really wanted the attention. And then he talks about how these other people were in it for money. They wanted the church to support them financially. You know, and often... The church did support teachers, but this lot were really kind of milking it. They, they wanted like the fanciest houses and the most expensive stuff, and they wanted not just the honor, but they wanted the wealth. And ultimately, he says, what's going on really is that un- underneath all of that, they're jealous. They're jealous. Yeah. And um, in that church, Paul has this real problem. He says, the problem is, what, because of where they're coming from, what they're saying is not right. And what they're saying is not right, and as it's not right, it's actually causing you to do things that aren't right. And gradually you're going away from God rather than to him. It's quite a different warning. It's a difficult thing for us, isn't it? So we're used to protecting things in our world. So you know, we have computers, and we're, we're really careful to make sure we don't get viruses on them. You know, we put a firewall up to stop bad things coming through, and we have antivirus software. And if somebody gives you like a memory stick, you might kind of think twice before you just like stick it in there. But often, we don't take the same care with our minds. You know, what, what's being sown into our minds? What, what kind of viruses are in there? Because it looks harmless. You might not even know you've caught it. But actually, it could start to bring destruction. It could lead you to do kind of weird things. So there's three tests that the Bible tends to give us. And I just thought we'd look at them really quickly this morning. Three ways we can be on our guard. Not be paranoid, but just be appropriately careful. So we assess the truths that are being bombarded on us. So the first one is, is it faithful to the Bible? I already said that. So the Bible's never seen us wrong. And so God is not a God of contradiction. He inspired the words that are in here. And because people have different kind of claims, if somebody makes a claim, you want to say, now, hang on, is that in the Bible? There's a a bit in the Bible where um, Paul went to try and plant a church in a place called Thessalonica, and they, they didn't like what he was saying. They chased him away. And he went to another city nearby called Berea, and it says the Bereans were more noble because they searched the scriptures to see if what he said was true. It's a really good, reliable thing we can do. We just go to the Bible and say, okay, by what authority are you saying this? Are you just saying we have to believe you because you're you, and we should, you know, we should just follow you and do whatever you say? Or actually, are you trying to teach us what the church has followed for 2,000 years and what people have found to be faithful and fruitful? So that's the first thing. Is the teacher... Somebody who is being faithful to the Bible. The second thing is, is what's the fruit? Remember Jesus said, you know, beware of those sheep in wolf clothing. No, wolf in sheep's clothing, the other way around. That's right. Wolves, but they look like sheep on the outside. Jesus said, by their fruit you'll know them. And the fruit basically is the impact of their lives. Now it could be that you could look at people and you could go, well that person's really impressive because they've got a massive crowd so they must have something good to say. Not necessarily. You can get a big crowd through just saying what people want to hear. Not necessarily what's true and right. 
Or you might look at, so you say, that person's like done really well. You know, loads of people have bought their book and they you know, flock to them and you know, they're, they're really wealthy. And well, again, that's not necessarily going to be a way of judging people because there'll be people who will do really well through peddling things that are really evil. So the way you test, according to Jesus, is you look at the fruit of their life. And the fruit of someone's life is really their impact on other people. So what's their impact on others? Do, do the others that they influence feel loved? Do the others that they influence flourish? Are they blessing people or using people? Are they raising people up or are they actually climbing on top of them to get up themselves? That's the fruit we're meant to look for. The fruit that the Bible says is fruit of the Spirit. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. You know, look for those things. Look for those things being formed in other people. And the, the last test, so faithful to the Bible, fruitful in the Spirit, the last test is are they full of Christ or full of themselves? Because people that are being filled with Christ are going to become more like him. They'll, they'll gradually live more in his peace. They'll, they'll share more of his love. They'll exude his generosity. They'll, they'll treat people the way that he treated people. People that are full of themselves, then... You look long enough, you're going to start seeing some science. You'll start seeing people who are full of themselves. That, like, they're, they're, they're really bad when they're challenged. They'll never accept any blame. You know, they'll always look for the, the spotlight, the limelight, and they'll be really slow to give the credit away to anybody else. They'll basically be seeking the favor of people and not really having that hidden history of doing what God wants them to do, even if nobody knows. They, they won't be people who can make a sacrifice or if they do make a sacrifice, they'll make sure that everybody knows about it. So, you know, I, just, I don't want to impress anybody, but I do give a lot to charity. It's that sort of kind of whole thing. So these things are going on. This is how we test. And the problem is we do have to test, because even in the church, even in the church, the place where there's meant to be, you know, pure truth and, and stuff preached, which is good and helpful, where you come to church and you really get built up, even in the church sometimes, there are things that are just a little bit off, and it matters. Every now and then it puts you in an uncomfortable position because you have to go, I don't think that's right, even though that person's in authority. And, you know, and I would just commend that to you. you know, don't just swallow everything. Be like those noble Bereans who tested it for themselves. Every now and then it gets you in trouble a little bit. So every now and then I get in trouble a little bit because I have to go to somebody who's in authority over me and I go, I'm not sure that's right. I don't think I can go along with that. A few years ago, I was in one of those moments, and um, it wasn't an easy time. I was having some difficult conversations with some people, and a friend of mine sent me a card, and it just said this, I believe in getting into hot water. It helps keep me clean. I thought, that's really helpful. You know? If we're going to follow Jesus, we're going to sometimes go against the flow. If we're going to follow Jesus, we're going to sometimes end up in trouble with the religious. If we're going to follow Jesus, sometimes we might even end up in trouble with the authorities just as Jesus did. But it's worth it, because his way is the right way, it's the true way, it's the healthy way, it's the whole way. It's the way that blesses people and sets them free. And anything else, anything else, it might seem well-intentioned, but often it just leads people into a little bit more of a trap, and they don't get the great life that God wants them to have. So I'm going to say a prayer, uh, and then we're going to sing a song of worship. I wonder if the band want to come back now. And should we all stand, because we're going to sing in a moment. We're going to have a song of worship, then we're going to do the baptism after that. 
So don't go too far. So let's just be still before God. Father, we want to pray that the week ahead of us, which is the Holy Week of the church, the week where we think about the Lord Jesus and his last week on earth as he walked towards the cross for us, as he died in our place, as he came to his resurrection, his glorious victory on Sunday. We want to pray, Lord, this would be a week of, of recalibration, refocusing. Pray, Lord, that we'd be reminded as to what is really true and what isn't. Pray that we'd be totally secure in your love so that we're not easily swayed by the other things that aren't quite so true or helpful. We ask, Lord, that you would help us to cleanse our minds of all the things that are subtly off. Thank you for the spirit of truth who leads us into all truth. And we pray that you would lead us into all truth in Jesus. We ask it in his name. Amen.